to a community of students, teachers, and preachers who are on a journey to teach the Bible in a manner that serves and builds the church of both today and tomorrow. Join us as we go behind the scenes to learn from established teachers whose unique stories will inspire you to take action to better prepare, better communicate, and better equip the church. This is the Better Bible Class Podcast. Today we have Brandon Evans, a good friend, a good mentor, and a good student of the Word. And Brandon, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and how you came to be a Bible class teacher. Curtis, thank you so much for the invite to have this conversation. I have been preaching like full-time since January of 2000. I became a Christian as a teenager, and I've just always been very, very serious about God's Word. I have all sorts of interesting family issues that make a young person question his existence and all that and thoughts of eternity thoughts of about our creator and all that have always been near and dear to me and realizing that all the right answers are in the bible has caused me to be a very very thirsty student so anyway so i've been preaching in delano for 20 plus years i guess 21 years or whatever it is I'm not, I'm not a math guy. It's been a great time. A lot of uh, ups and downs, as anybody would expect. But over the years, I think I've learned some things that work in Bible classes and things that don't work so well. That's awesome. And it's actually, it was kind of cool. I was able to join one of your Bible classes uh, this past week. It was actually because of your wife. Uh, I don't don't. You have just one of those just uh, one of those amazing women. Um, I think my wife falls in that same category. Uh, we were just sitting down, um, and I just finished up recording a Bible class uh, with Cliff and Nick. Megan was like, "Do you know Brandon Evans has a parenting class tonight?" O- okay. And then she goes, "No, Christine sent me something. Uh, we should jump on and join." And, and we did, and it was it was such a blessing. With that, it was a, it was a little different because I've sat through quite a few of your classes with uh, some different events, and this one was uh, the first time I sat with a virtual Brandon. Uh, how how have you pivoted with uh, this COVID time and embraced some of this Ooh. technology, this virtual technology? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was you know baptism by fire, right? You know. Um, you wake up one day and the governor is shutting down the state. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what do we do? And you immediately start talking to people about other, you know, workarounds and things. And and so we started playing with Zoom. You know, you, you figure out the nuts and bolts of it, right, how it works. And then the other thing that, that has been an interesting dynamic is you figure out what works, not just like the bells and whistles of whatever system you're using, but how to encourage the best participation. So, for example, we encourage everybody to stay muted unless they're talking, right? And you even there's another interesting dynamic, which is as much as you want to see everybody on their video, which is really good, some people during the study might be taking care of something in addition to listening. And so it's actually better for them not to have their video on, right? So I'm totally ADHD, and it took me a little while to get undistracted so that I could focus in on on the class. But, yeah, that's been sort of a, a whirlwind of, of learning. But it's been good. And the one of the huge benefits, right, is, you know, as you mentioned, you and Megan, 
you can find out about a Bible study in a place that's not your hometown or not where you live and join it in minutes, seconds, actually. And we've had a lot of that. We've had people that are from out of the state that have attended many of our services because we've made them available online. And, and so that's been good. One thing that just amazes me about you, Brandon, and I even saw it in the Zoom class the other night, but especially in person, you just have the ability to take what your participants, what your students give you and just run with it. How have you developed that talent or that ability? Yeah. Okay. So do you want the, do you want the real story on that? Please. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's what nobody wants to hear that's true about that. And, and trust me, I'll get to a point on that. But I, I don't know all of your upbringing, but when I was a kid, we would play a very inappropriate game called capping or bagging. Have you ever heard of capping or bagging? I have not. Okay, so capping or bagging um, for me when I was a kid is when a group of guys get together and you will insult each other. And the idea isn't to be gross or to be inappropriate. The idea is to insult the other person in such a way that everybody else listening laughs, right? Well, completely unintentionally, it really helps you develop the ability to um, operate in an impromptu fashion, right? To hear what's being said to you and to respond uh, in a coherent way and in a captivating way, if you will. And so I say that because truly the, the skill to be able to take a question and answer quickly and effectively really started in me as a junior high kid insulting my buddies and them insulting me, right? But but here here's why I continue to do that as a Bible teacher. I'm fully convinced that you, that students in a Bible class can tune out the teacher, but it's very difficult for you to tune out yourself. And so the more the students in a class are talking, I think the more they're getting out of the class. The other thing about it is it's great feedback for the teacher as to what is being absorbed and what is not being absorbed. Because you can literally teach a 45-minute class. Imagine in your mind that you did the most amazing job and nobody in the class understood what you're saying because you're not getting any any feedback. Now, you can get feedback that's nonverbal, right? Um, head nods, uh, silence, complete silence when you're really making a serious point. But that verbal feedback and those the the interaction that you are able to create, it's impossible for them not to be paying attention if they're literally speaking back to you. And it gives you a great idea of what they're holding on to versus what they're not and what you may need to massage in terms of understanding and all of that. So, so that's a long answer, but that's where I come from on that. Uh, that that's awesome.
I, I see it, and I, I think it's fair to say your other students see it, that you have that ability to kind of think while you're talking, uh, to stay ahead of yourself and, and to stay ahead of us. Um, but you're just your ability to almost seamlessly guide their comments back to the point that, that you're wanting to make. Is that intentional? Do you have like a, a, some panic anytime you open it up for discussion? Or is it just kind of one of those things that I've been doing this for, for a long enough time that I'll, I'll just roll with it, whatever? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's awesome that you'd say panic. Okay, so several things that, that I think make a really good Bible teacher, I don't care where, who, what, is you have to be yourself. I can't teach like Curtis. Curtis probably can't teach like me, you know, go down the, the line. And as a part of that is I'm not – I guess I'm used to being humbled enough that I'm humble enough that – if, if somebody stumps me with a question, I'll just accept that I'm, I don't know. But because that's my mindset, I don't panic. I, I know, and I'm glad that you said that, because I think some Bible teachers have a lecture format for their teaching, even if it's a Bible class, because it's a little safer. The, the more that I, do all the talking, right? If in a 45-minute class, I do 95% of the talking, I don't have to worry about stumping myself. I don't have to worry about uh, getting caught off guard because I've scripted out what I'm going to say and I'm saying it. The question for me, though, always, as I prepare for a Bible study, is what is going to be the difference between this experience and a sermon? Right. And I think some things need to be sermon. They need to be I speak and the audience or whatever listens. But there's so much to gain from interaction. So so even if somebody is slightly off topic or whatever, I know where I want to be um, and I know ultimately where I want this class to go. And I know that well enough that I stay relaxed and I listen to what's being said because I think that's the thing that sometimes Bible class teachers struggle with is they they will they will ask for questions or they will welcome comments but they don't really listen to the questions or the comments. I'm sure you've been in Bible classes where somebody will ask a really legit question or they'll make uh maybe a uh an intense but but an important comment and it'll almost be like the Bible class teacher just sort of like, eh, let's just skip right over that and go on. Well, I get it because sometimes it can be intimidating. But 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 staying relaxed to me and actually listening to what is being said is the key to being able to respond sincerely, honestly, and and give credibility to the people in the class. Let me say one other thing super fast on that. I don't know that I've ever been the smartest person in a Bible study. And, and that is such a powerful truth to absorb because I fully expect that whatever class I'm teaching, someone that's attending that class, that's participating in that class, is going to bring to that class in a question, in a comment, in an experience, in an example, something that I never even thought of. And that is going to be an asset and a benefit to everybody else in the class. 
So for me to not allow that or not to, to not encourage their participation is to limit the class's level uh, and experience to my, you know, what does Winnie the Pooh say? I'm a bear of a little brain, right? It's, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's to limit it. And I don't want to limit it. If Curtis is in that class, I know Curtis can bring something to that class that's going to enhance it for everybody. And I want to make sure there's ample opportunity for that. No, that that's incredible, and that I like you you bringing it back to that that humility because oftentimes, like even myself, I will attempt to make make up an answer or put some unrelated stuff together um, so that I have the appearance of having it all together, of having all the answers. That, that's a very, I think, valuable trait. I mean, it's a Christ-like trait for crying out loud. Well, well hopefully, right? We're talking Bible studies here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, let, let me say something real fast, okay? Um, and th- you haven't asked a question about this, but I, but anytime I talk about teaching, there's there's a couple things that I always like to share with people. Um, number one is uh, only teach what you know. Only teach what you know. If you don't know it, don't teach it. And, and that's not an insult or to be critical of anybody. It's to say, stay, stay in your lane because you're going to be, be you're going to best perform in that lane. And so, so it's sort of like this. Brandon can teach today what he knows while he studies really hard to understand some things that right now he doesn't know so that down the road I can teach that thing too. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. And so you, you mentioned you teach what you know while you're, you're studying something you don't know that you can teach later. Uh, describe it, if you will. How do you uh, go through it and study? Like, uh, again, I'll, I'll reference that parenting class because it's, it's the one in most recent memory. But we're, we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and you pulled out the, these awesome parenting strategies, I mean, parenting truths from the Sermon on the Mount. And it was just something that when I had looked through the Sermon on the Mount, I it, I, I didn't see it from that context. And granted, you're putting a parenting class together. When you have that objective, you kind of see things from a different angle. But how is how, walk us through your preparation, whether it's like a, a more of a topical or if it's just an overview of like a, a book. Do you prepare the same? Do you prepare differently for those? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so everything starts with, um, you know, what's the format for the teaching? You know, again, is am I am I delivering a sermon or is it a Bible class or what? Uh, who's the audience, right? Are we talking kids? Are we talking adults? Are we talking parents or whatever? Okay, so I always start with with who's going to be the recipient of the information, but then with regards to the content, um, like w- let's just use that parenting class. Whenever I I teach parenting, the most important focal point for parenting isn't the child being parented. It's the parent, right? You know, and there's no greater parent than God himself. So then the question becomes, what passages of scripture am I going to utilize to highlight God as father, God as the ultimate parent? And then you have a couple different venues you can travel down, a couple, a couple different roads you can take. One, you can take God in action, right? You know, God dealing with the, the children of Israel and how he uh, rewarded them at times and chastised them and, and allowed them to learn from their own failures, but then rescued them through the judges. And, you know, just all these things, right? 
So you can you can look through those examples and see God operate and pull lessons that says, okay, if the ultimate father of the universe operates like this, how shall I operate? Then then you have the other thing. You have things that describe our relationship with the father, right? So it's not necessarily the father in action, but it's descriptions about the father. So you could look at things like um, God is merciful. And if God is merciful, then parents should be merciful. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, right? As you know, and you've been studying and teaching on Matthew, there is this incredibly powerful piece where he's reintroducing God not as some distant, imageless force, but as Father. And it's like, okay, so we have Jesus, God in the flesh, talking about God the Father. What does he say? Right? How does he tell these Jews to reconnect to their Heavenly Father? And, and, and then you don't try to add to it. You don't try to make something that's not there, but you open your mind to what actually is there in the text, and then, right? And then it then it's just that openness to it, which allows you to find some truths that otherwise you may have just passed over. That's awesome. From my perspective, when you can see someone who just has, it's obvious that someone puts the time in. It's obvious that someone has spent prayerfully spent time preparing and studying and working through it and wrestling uh, with the passages to get to that point. And I was going to say to have a mastery of the scriptures, but I think you probably would have shot that comment down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, can you edit that out? And, <laughs> yeah, like like let's not even talk about that, right? I mean, but but it. It is something that it that comes across that is apparent. And so how do you how do you find time to prepare to the level that you feel like you need to prepare to deliver the right class? Okay, that's a great question. Super appropriate. So you're you're asking Brandon Evans, and so Brandon Evans is gonna give you his answer. But part of understanding Brandon Evans' answer is to say that everyone's different, right? Okay, so I learn in sprints okay um so some people learn really sort of slowly like running a a marathon or something and i learn in sprints so i will just absorb a passage um you know dissect it all that stuff super intensely for let's say an hour hour and a half or something and then i let my brain marinate on it you know, just sort of toss it around, think it through the words you used earlier, pray on it. Right. And it's like you, you just sort of let it float around and, and think. And then you you go back to it later and you sprint all over it again. <laughs> and 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 this is so huge. This is so huge. And you let the scriptures tell you what God wanted the scriptures to tell you and not what you want them to say. So I don't know if you're aware, but um, uh, Dan Owen is like my main, most impactful Bible teaching mentor, whatever words you want to use, right? I can't speak more highly about him as a, as a godly man and as a Bible class teacher and as a teacher of men and all of that. 
And he gave that idea to me. And I've learned so much from that because when you're a young guy and you're sort of feisty like I tend to be, you you can literally develop a horrible habit of reading your Bible to argue with, with right? You read it to to make a point to somebody or whatever. And that's horrible because our Bibles weren't written so you could argue with people. Our Bibles were written to help us to understand God and how to please him and how to live a life acceptable to him in this world, right? Well, well, reading a passage and letting it dictate what you are to take from it is more important than me reading into a passage what I wanted to say. And that's helpful. And so, so when you study, you don't study to tell the Bible what to say. You study the Bible to let it tell you what to say. And then you accept that, you embrace that, and then you teach people what, what it really is and not what you're hoping for it to say. Yeah, man. You mentioned that you have a mentor, someone that you look up to, someone that has taught you how to study, how to prepare. How did you get paired up um, with, uh, with, with this mentor? <laughs> That's an awesome question. Okay, so check this out. Right, so, so I went to uh, a conference, and um, Brother Owen was one of the, the teachers, and I was just amazed, just amazed at what this guy could do with Scripture. And later on, at some point down the road, I talked to Cliff, and I was like, Cliff, man, this guy, you know, it was so awesome. I wish I could learn from him all the time. And he goes, well, he's got a website. I was like, what? He, yeah, he's got a website, Global Preacher Training. GlobalPreacherTraining.com. I was like, okay. And so I you know, made a little note. I went back. I went on the website, and it's got all of these classes that he taught in Bear Valley. And I've gone through every single one of those classes, start to finish. And uh, this is, this is going to sound a little awkward, but it's, it's true. You asked the question. You can edit this out later if you want. But I wanted to, I wanted to meet him. I wanted to spend time with him. And so I sent him an email throughout the idea of me just coming and like just like following him around for a week or whatever. And, you know, he probably thought I was a super weirdo because that's what I would have thought of myself. But in time, he agreed to it. And then by the time we got over there, it, it was just a great week. And we, we actually grew close. And... And then he's just, you know, he shared things with me over the years. That was back in 2014, and, and we've gotten to spend a lot of time together since then. And I've just learned so much. I've learned so much. And one of the beautiful things about Dan as a, as a teacher and his mentor is if you want him to just tell you what a passage says or means, he will. But the best thing about him is he will give you the correct approach to dissecting a passage and that's just that that makes your learning unlimited right so as opposed to it being dan is it okay to fill in the blank learning how to piece scripture together let me give you a, a super embarrassing thing that i learned from dan Owen. So as a young Bible student, I would read a passage, right? You know, let's talk about the book of Matthew. 
And you'd see that word righteousness, right? Righteous, righteousness. And well, I've seen that word a bunch of times. Let me just skip over that because, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the next new thing? What's the next new thing? <laughs> and, and, you know, the first thing Dan says is like, keep track of every time you see this word. And not only every time you see that word, but then he, he explained to me this idea of similarity of content, which is not just every time you see that word, every time you see a synonym for that word, right? So, so for example, you can, you can see the relationship between the word live, right? Like we need to live in a manner worthy. And then the synonym in some translations will be the word walk. To walk in the light is to live in the light, right? And to live in the light is to walk in the light. So sometimes you want, you just find yourself tracking one word, but you may miss some of the important related content if you don't add to that other words that are getting at the same point. And so, you know, once you start to look at some of that, it just, boom, all of a sudden this understanding starts to come together because now you know what puzzle pieces to connect. Whereas before that, you were missing big chunks of the puzzle and therefore big chunks of the understanding. Man, that, that, that's awesome. I'm sitting here with a big old smile on my face, uh, just, just listening to you walk through that. And it's just, I don't know, I, I just think it's so cool, not only in that brief conversation, but in your classes, you just have this genuine, genuine love for Christ. Uh, and it comes through in your teaching. How do you exhibit that in your teaching? Because it, it doesn't come across as fake or disingenuine. It's a genuine love, a genuine passion for Jesus. How have you embraced that to let your light shine in that fashion? Well, okay, so Curtis, this is set up for you to ask the questions and me to give the answers. But let me ask you a question, which is really to ask anybody who listens to this the same question. How can we not be passionate and excited about God's Word? <laughs> right? Like, like, like we literally have in our grubby little hands the most important set of information the world has ever known. The most life-changing information the world has ever known. It's, you know, right? I mean, the, the accolades for the Bible can just, we could just repeat the McNoggin. So, so I don't know, I like, you know, where does the passion come from? My question is, how can we teach and it not be passion filled? So, so for me though, really, and I, and I don't, you know, some people get weird when you get personal, so I'll, I'll try to keep it surface, but, but my, I, I didn't grow up to be a preacher. You know what I mean? Like there's some kids, you grow up, you go to church, and it's like, oh, you know, that guy should be a preacher or whatever. Or somebody sets a goal when they're age eight. I want to be the person up front, uh, you know, because everybody claps for them or, or shakes their hand or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like I want to be the big important guy up there. I could care less. I could care less. Here's why I teach. I teach because when I open my Bible, I am so overwhelmed with its awesomeness that I just want to share what I've learned. 
and and I, I, th- that may be really underwhelming for other people, but that's my story. <laughs> it's like, this is awesome. <laughs> Here we go, right? You know, this is awesome. And so you just like, it's because it is. <laughs> and and so, so, yeah, if that comes out when I teach, it's because I don't know how for it not to. Because God's word really is, like, I'll just say this super fast. Um, on the first Wednesday night of every month, I teach a men's class. And I have for years, and it's awesome to to get to do that with a with just a group of guys on a regular basis and whatever. And one of the things we've done, and this actually goes years now, is we just walk through the men of the Old Testament. You can take the heroes of the Old Testament. You can take the villains of the Old Testament. And, and I have one fundamental question as you read those stories, and it's this. What part of this person am I? Right. Like take Moses, for example, you know, Moses sees an injustice and he jumps right in. Right. I'm going to I'm going to fight this guy. I'll kill this guy whatever, you know. But then you also see him get the greatest mission that, you know, somebody could be given, which is to have God, you know, speak to you in a burning bush and say, I need you to be the voice for liberating my people. And then he gets a little squeamish. Right. And so sometimes, isn't it true, though, as men, sometimes we're bold and we're just all courageous and then other times we're cowardly. So I think it's so enlightening that when you read it and you see that and you say, wow, okay, this kind of behavior that we see in men today isn't new. It's really old. And maybe I can glean some stuff from it. Well, so you read it, you learn it, it excites you about what you learned, and then you just turn around and share it. And hopefully people do see that it's that it's genuine. I don't know how not to be that way. I, if I ever tried to like fake a class or something, that would be awkward. But um, thankfully I don't have to. And thankfully people put up with my less than formal approach. Because if you ever want me to do something super formal, you'll probably be disappointed. But if you <laughs> right, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like Like I sort of stink at that. But if you want to just have a conversation about something in scripture, then I'm your guy, even if I'm not the teacher, right? Like let's let's sit down and talk Bible. No, that that that's awesome. And with that, you mentioned your men's class. Is it wrong for me to say that you have a passion for uh calling men to to fill the role that, that God has called us to 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 fill? Because you have your men's class, but then you have your, your Delano Dads program. Yeah. Um is that like one of the passions that you've developed over time? Yeah, yeah. So without, you know, I, I'm so tempted to go into my own personal life, but um, let's just say this. So my name is Brandon Evans, but I was named after a guy who wasn't my dad, okay? So let's just, we'll just leave it at that. So ever since I was a little guy, I I had this sort of gap in my life that, you know, typically a father is supposed to fill. And, and then you watch where American society is at, and it's like you have all of these things for women. And I get it, right? You know, um, you know, training women to be entrepreneurs, training women to be leaders, training women, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I've just felt for a long time that there's just a lack of stuff for guys. And and here's my justification for my what some would call an overemphasis on men. 
Curtis, you're not a law enforcement guy, neither am I, but if we were to sit down and ask a question, if there were a hundred rapes in the past month, how many of those rapes do you think were committed by 84-year-old women? Right? Who, who, who commits the violent crimes? Who commits the crimes that end up in the newspaper? They're men and they're young men. And for us to ignore that reality is, is so disastrous. And so then the question becomes, well, what do you do about it? Well, number one is, is you, you help the healthy men to be, to be even more healthy. And then you help the unhealthy men to get to a point of health and to realize that the things that are natural in a man have a God-given purpose if used wisely, right? I mean, think about think about what we read in the book of Revelation, this description of Jesus in the early part of Revelation where Jesus is seen as the lion and the lamb, right? He's the, the lamb slain and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. God in the flesh, the Son of God, is represented as both lion and lamb. And so much of our modern society wants men to just be lambs. And we need to learn to be lambs, right? We need to be humble and meek and lowly and have a servant heart. But there's times where we need to stand up and be a lion. And, and men need to understand that that's okay and that it's biblical, that it's godly, right? The same Jesus that died on the cross is the, also the same Jesus who turned the tables in the temple courts and ran out the money changers in such with such swiftness that they left their money behind because it turned over on those tables, you know. So so anyway, yeah, yeah, it's safe to say that's a passion of mine, and and I don't I don't see that ending anytime soon. No, that, that that's awesome, and it just shows that your classes don't necessarily have to fall into the traditional model. And as a teacher, you don't have to only teach the, the set time on a Sunday or a Wednesday that it branches out. One other thing that impresses me about you, Brandon, is your, your genuine love for people. I know I've used the word genuine a lot because I think that is one of the best ways to describe you. Hey, um, even if you don't like me, I am genuine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you have this, this intimate knowledge of your students that you rely on. How can we, uh, how can I, I'm asking selfishly, better love my, my, my students to understand their story, where they're coming from, so that I can better show them what Jesus has for us? Yeah, well, okay, so, so there's so many ways to approach that, that particular question. I have so much in my own personal experience that lets me know that if it wasn't for God using people in my life, that didn't have to be there, right? You know, like you sort of think your parents have to be in your life, right? So when your parents aren't in your life and you're raised and cared for by other people, it sort of gives you this like built-in gratitude for that. And and it that 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 on top of looking at other people and thinking they're a soul just like me and they struggle just like I do, and they're confused at times just like I am, but God loves them just like he loves me. And my job, when I'm given the privilege, the honor, the, the, the task of trying to teach, 
isn't for them to walk away thinking, ooh, Brandon's a good teacher. It's to help them to walk away thinking how great God is and how much more they know about him and his love for them. So I don't know if I can answer that question like in a technical, okay, step one, right? But but it starts with just really caring about the people that that are in there. So so here's the thing that you've seen me do um, that I'm sure is off-putting to some, and, and I just accept that it may be off-putting to some. But especially when I teach young people, young people are being raised in a world where they're not expected to pay attention to much of anything. It's sort of just a built-in expectation that they're going to screw off, mess around, not pay attention. And I don't mind, honestly, I don't, if, if a kid just ignores me. But if I'm teaching God's word accurately, honestly, to ignore me is not to ignore me, but it's to ignore God's word. It's the same concept that Samuel was taught by God when the people asked for the king. And Samuel was, you know, all upset by that. And he, you know, cries to God. And God says, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me, right? So so one of the things I'm sure you've seen me do multiple times is if I see somebody completely not paying attention, I will call them out on it. I don't call them out on it because I'm trying to embarrass them. I don't call them out on it because I'm mean or hateful. I'm calling them out on it because it's serious. It's super serious. Let me give you a, an analogy to, to make that point. If, if you were giving me a shot, right, like, you know, an insulin or something, whatever, you're putting a needle in my arm and I'm squirming around, you're going to do something to restrain me because it's actually to my detriment if I'm not focused and still in that moment. Well, in a, in like manner, when, if I am truly teaching God's word, you know, forget if I'm like trying to be funny, telling a joke in the lobby or something. But if I'm truly teaching God's word, then, then for me to allow them to not pay attention is for them to miss a chance to learn God's word. And, and so I will get their attention. And, um, but I, and I say that as a part of a question about caring about people. Because that's an example of me caring, not an example of me being a jerk. Uh, and that's one of the things that you stand out. Even when I first started coming around the, the circle that you're in, you're a very memorable guy. And it stands out because you have that, that love, you have that passion. It comes across as just this great understanding that you want to share. Uh, and it's really cool when you also geek out uh, on stuff. It, I just find that it, it's just awesome. Just awesome. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I do have some geeky moments. Um, most people see me and they don't think geek, but yeah, when it comes to God stuff. That's cool. <laughs> As we close, would you have a challenge for me or for our listeners, one or two things that we can do to help us today to be a, a better teacher of God's word? Oh, easily, easily. So remember, it's not about you as a teacher. It's not about you. And and your job is to help the students, the learners, the participants. Your job is to help them lead that experience, feeling more confident with their understanding of God's word, whatever your text is that you're covering, right? And, and this is huge. And some sense of how to implement that in their life, like what to do with that. And if you go into every Bible class thinking it's not about me, it's about them, 
And it's about their confidence with knowing what was said, what was taught, and their awareness of some way for them to implement it. You're going to do a great job. Let me give one quick little example. There was a, there was, there was a guy uh, like on Facebook, I think it was, or something. And he was a preacher, and it was like he posted a thing like, does anybody think 45 scriptures for my Bible class is too many? And I just responded with one comment, and the comment was a question, and it was this. How many of those 45 scriptures do you think your students are going to remember? See, it makes us feel so amazing. I'm going to use 45 different scriptures during my sermon. But how many are the students going to grasp, learn, understand, embrace, absorb, and be able to apply? Or are they just going to go, man, that teacher, boy, he knows his scriptures. Well, what did he teach about? I don't have a clue. Yeah. So that would be my encouragement. Brandon, I, I'm very, very appreciative and humbled by our conversation tonight. And I thank you. Thank you so much for your Oh, anytime, man. Anytime for you. I don't care what it is. If you ever need me to come chop wood with you or something, give me a call. Thank you for joining us on our journey to build the church of both today and tomorrow through Better Bible Class. As you work on bettering your Bible classes, please share with us what successes you've had or what challenges you've had to overcome at betterbibleclass.com. And if you have found value in today's episode, please subscribe and share it with one person right now via text or email. Again, send your questions and comments to us at betterbibleclass.com and continue to join us on our mission to strengthen the church of both today and tomorrow by teaching a better Bible class. Bop, 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 bop,